Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 240 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff. I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. So, hey, wherever this finds you, whether you are in a gym somewhere, on a treadmill, on your bike, cooking dinner, on a drive, on a run, on a walk, whatever, welcome. Glad you're here. That's how I listen to my podcast. Pretty much anytime I'm doing sort of brainless, mindless work, I try to engage my mind. So, uh, love that you've subscribed. Love that you're listening. Thank you so much. Today, you will not be disappointed because my guest is Annie F. Down. She is a best-selling author and a speaker with a massive audience. So uh, we're, we're getting a little bit controversial and maybe this will um, make some of you a little bit sensitive, okay? I'm just warning you. But here's the truth, especially guys. Guys, guess what? There are a lot of women who lead who have much bigger audiences than we do, okay? And the question is, are you okay with that? Because uh, a couple weeks ago, we heard from Lisa Turkhurst, who has six to eight million people accessing her content every single day. In fact, uh, Lisa and I are gonna get together later this spring, and I'm gonna open up my notebook and learn how she does that. Annie F. Downs has like had five million downloads on her podcast. That sounds fun. Last year alone, and so I'm trying to crack this code. I'm trying to be a student. Rather than be a teacher, I'm trying to be a student. And Annie taught us, me, a lot in this interview. So uh, in this interview, she shares the secrets of reaching a large audience and connecting with a growing tribe, but keeping it personal. Man, it's a fascinating conversation. I think you're going to love it. And, you know, the goal is not to reach large audiences per se. It's just to help a lot of people and serve a lot of people. And this is what they do extremely well. And Annie also talks about um, how women approach leadership. It is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I think you're going to love it. So anyway, that's up today. Also, guys uh, and women, <laughs> question for you. How's the year going for you so far? Uh, the answer might be, you know what? It feels an awful lot like all the other years. And if that is the case, probably you're in the place where your ambition exceeds your current capacity. That is where most leaders find themselves. And yeah, you had all these New Year's resolutions. You're going to crush your goals, best year ever. But you know what the problem is? And this is why most resolutions fail. In fact, 92% of all New Year's resolutions fail. It fails because you have an intention, but you have no strategy. Well, uh, my lack of strategy 13 years ago led me squarely into burnout. And on the other side, I thought to myself, by the grace of God, never again. And in the process of recovery, I, I worked really hard, like thousands of dollars invested in coaches, counselors, uh, lots of time reflecting, created a new system for myself that I thought, okay, I think this is going to prevent me from burnout, which for 13 years it has. But what I didn't realize is it would make me so much more productive. Uh, in fact, uh, the high impact leader system is what I now call it. Um, but using that approach with a fixed calendar and managing time, energy, and priorities has helped me write four best-selling books. Like I always wanted to write a book, never had time. Uh, be a better dad, be a better husband, be a better friend, actually develop some hobbies. And at the same time, write a blog, hold down a full-time job, speak, travel around the world, 
and do something like this podcast, sometimes even twice a week. Like, how do you do that and stay sane? I'm going to show you. And the goal is not that, you know, you would write books or launch a podcast. It's just like, wouldn't you like to be home with your kids when you're supposed to be home? Wouldn't you like to have a day off? Wouldn't you like to not be in crisis mode all the time or overwhelmed? That's what the High Impact Leader is all about. And this week, we have the High Impact Leader available with all kinds of new bonuses and at the best price you will find it in 2019. Price is going up soon. I would love for you to head on over to thehighimpactleader.com. Check it out for yourself. We've got some very time-limited incentives. Uh, in fact, the price is going up January 31st, so this is your last chance to get it at uh, what I think is a pretty incredible price. And we've helped thousands of leaders through the high-impact leader system, and we, we could spend the rest of this podcast just telling stories about people who said, man, I got my life and leadership back. So head on over and check that out. And in the meantime... This was a fun, fascinating, and awesome conversation with author, speaker, and extraordinary human being, Annie F. Downs. Well, Annie, this is fun. Annie F. Downs, welcome to the podcast. So what does F stand for? Fancy? Um, oh, yeah. We'll go with fancy because it's like a really complicated Swiss middle name that is not fun to deal with. So uh, it has silent letters, all sorts of crazy. But yeah. That's it's, pretty it's cool, Annie though. F. When you have an unpronounceable you know it's middle so name. It's so funny because there's another Annie Downs who is a very famous quilter. And so she... <laughs> I missed that one. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that, Annie. I know. It's sad. So she kind of owns the internet a little bit, unfortunately for me. And so... There is a quilter who owns your name? Yeah. And so I've had to... That's why we do the Annie F everywhere is because we're like, we've got to separate from the quilter. I've never thought of you as a quilter, for the record, just so <laughs> well, you know. Good. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's such an honor. I, I would never have put myself in the category of worthy of being your guest as a listener. So, Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm and thanks. We've done a, a mic flip. You and I have spent the whole day recording. Yeah. So I'm on yeah, your podcast. Right. This one will cool. probably air a little bit later, but I was on yeah. uh, Kicked Off 2019 with you, which was awesome. I know a ton of listeners uh, know you. A lot of leaders know you. But for the three listeners who don't, can you give us the quick bio? Yeah, sure. I am an author, a speaker, a podcaster. I'm based in Nashville. I have a couple of books that I've written, some uh, 100 Days to Brave and Remember God are the two most recent, the bestsellers that people kind of know of and, and have heard of around. I travel and speak at conferences, events, and churches, at least for the first half of 2019. I've been traveling pretty solid I'm um, yeah. doing two to three weekends a month since the fall of 2012. And so I'm taking the back half of 2019 off to rest and to be home and, and oh. just to kind of recalibrate a little bit and see, am I still doing what I'm called to do? And, and what does that look like? And, and, how, and you can't really make big decisions when you're um, not resting. And so yeah. it, was, it was time to take a little... And you know, the scripture says, every seven years, let the fields rest, right? And so it felt like it's, this is the time. Isn't that interesting, you know, because you and I met on the road in Seattle yeah. and yeah. I was on a marathon, uh, like we'd known, I'd known of you, et cetera, for many years, but um, we actually were in the same room at the same time at an event in I Seattle. Because I down, Carrie. That's yeah, why I but that in the was... back and watched you speak. And then I said, I've got to meet you. We share all of our friends. <laughs> <laughs> we do have all the same friends, Annie. And I want to ask you, um, best of the road, and I'm not a complainer, but I understand sure. there is like when I'm off the road, my inner circle, 
goes like, you're so happy, aren't you? I'm like, yes. And so it's an incredible privilege. But what are the highs and the lows of the road for you? Because a lot of people, if you're not on the road all the time, you don't get it. Yeah, that's right. The highs for me are the people I get to meet, the friends who are listeners to my podcast. It's called That Sounds Fun. So the people who listen to my podcast or who read my books that show up places that I am speaking just because they want to connect and they feel like we're friends. That is such a highlight to me. When people stop me in airports or restaurants, it makes me incredibly happy that they would even consider that worthy of their time mm-hmm. and that I'm someone they're going to talk to. So that's my favorite part is the people I get to meet. And that's what I will miss the most this fall is, is I have to go you know six months without meeting anyone out on the road that I've been so... That I love looking forward to. I um, really dislike what I miss when I'm gone. But I'm in Enneagram mm. 7. And so the gra- like I'm always... FOMO is like something I have to fight all the time. But I've missed a lot of weddings. I've missed a lot of birthday parties. I've missed a lot of a lot of weekend activities over the last seven years of travel. And, and that's really hard to miss really important events in other people's lives that I would never miss, except that I was booked to be in Seattle a year and a half before I was there. You know <laughs> Exactly. Because so, you make these well. decisions a year or two. Like I'm booked into 2022. Not, oh not fully. But, you yeah. know, a couple of the big, big blocks are booked two yeah. years out, yeah. uh, particularly if it's international. And right. uh, like I, uh, you know, you, you look at it, the calendar looks empty and then you realize, oh, you're missing so-and-so's graduation. Or it can be very, you wouldn't have difficulty with this because you're the most fun person in the world. But <laughs> it is hard to keep up those real life friendships in your own yeah. community, in your own neighborhood, because often when you get off the road, you're tired, right? Yeah, that's right. And you know, we kind of, my girlfriends, I'm single. And so Mm -hmm. I also don't come home to anyone. And so that probably is a little different for me than you in that my friendships have to maintain because that is my family. When I am, when I'm not in a serious dating relationship and since I'm not married, there isn't this priority main person I come home to. And so my community of friends become that family for me. Um, but, and their children, I mean, I love kids and I don't have any. And so their kids, I mean, the, the thing that's changed the most has been instead of my um, social circle being wide, it is um, narrow and deeper because I'm if I'm only home for three days, I'm only going to see maybe, you know, maybe two or three friends versus seeing 15 friends if I'm home for a whole week. Yeah. No, and, and for me, it's tough for my wife. I thought it would be easier when our kids left home because we're empty nesters. Uh, uh-huh. It's actually been harder because my wife is now in an empty house for three, four, five days sometimes. And then sure. when I come home, she's ready to go out. And I'm like, I'm not leaving the driveway. Like I am <laughs> right. sitting here in my backyard in my cocoon, right. not moving. I'm not eating at a restaurant. So yeah, yeah, yeah but that's, that, right. that's true. So, okay. We talked about this before and I thought it'd be a fun yes. subject of conversation. So true confession I become a little bit of a student of what I would call the female mafia. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> the female I like tribe. it. And I love that I'm included in this. I think it's so Oh, you fun. are. You are. I mean, I think, so here's my theory. You and I talked about this a little bit in advance and I was talking to Ann Voskamp about this recently, but I think yeah. a lot of male leaders, myself included, really had no idea. And I'm just trying to be a student of this, of how influential some leaders like yourself, like Ann Voskamp, Lisa Turkhurst, you know, Shelly Giglio, Rachel Cruz, Rachel Hollis. I mean, the list yeah. could go on and on. Those names are fairly well known in church world. But I think the vast majority of male leaders have no idea how big those tribes are, 
how loyal those tribes are or or how motivated to action those tribes are. So I just go around now with my notebook open and I'm like, I want to learn. Yeah. Um, talk, talk to us a little bit about that. What do you think um, male leaders might be missing when they look at that and go, oh yeah, so like your podcast last year, you, you just yeah. shared with me, if I can share yeah. it, you shared it with sure. your listeners, 5 million downloads in 2018. Yes. Like that's insane. That's a giant yeah. podcast. Yeah. And most guys, they don't lead at that level. They don't have that kind of influence. So help me understand what's going on there in the in the wonderful little mafia you're a part well, of. Well, I think there's an interesting uh, starting conversation is that when you think across the male pastors that I know who've written on books with leadership in the title, mm-hmm. you can probably come up, I can pro- you and I could list off 10 men who are wise in the leadership realm. And you yeah. write books with that in the title. When it comes to women, I think the only people using leadership in the title is probably Jenny Katrin. Um, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, I could include Jenny with that. But it's funny because sure. she's more in the other space in right. where Tony Morgan would be, where I would be, right. that kind of thing. Yep. Right. So I think and that's I think really interesting because the rest of us are actually teaching women how to lead. We're just not calling it that. And so we're wow. saying we're at, we're leading with different questions and we're leading with different needs. But what we are teaching is how to lead. We're just not saying here's this, here's your top 10 leadership tips for women, because a lot of times uh, for women, they are not seen as leaders as often as men because they're stay-at-home moms or they're nurses or, and this is being, I mean, again, you and I are both going to do massive generalizations, but if you look across the scope of Christian culture, Jenny Catron's writing on leadership and calling it that. And, Mm -hmm. and there's 15 other of us that are writing on leadership, but not calling it that because we are, we are going, Hey, you're a mom with four kids at home and you are leading them. I'm just going to show up with a podcast with two women that you like, or with me and a male musician that you like. And we're going to talk to you about what it looks like to lead, but we're not going to put the pressure on you to be a leader. We're just going to talk to you about leading. Is that intentional? Like this is is really interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 I I just want to understand. Tell me more about that. Yeah. It's really intentional for me. I am, uh, I am surprisingly strategic <laughs> for as yeah, much yeah. as I'm fun. Probably people are more surprised that I have strategy behind what I do versus like, she had Santa Claus on her podcast. What a Yahoo. That was hilarious. <laughs> you know, and it is hilarious. It's an excellent episode and Santa was great. But <laughs> there is strategy to everything I do. And and my strategy, is, I mean, the sentence that we have um, up in the office that we share with our employees that we talk about the most is, Annie is your friend you get coffee with. And sometimes you talk about the Bible. And so Mm. everything I do revolves around that sentence. And my lead is Annie is your friend. And so once I have, and this is what the female mafia, as you call it, what the lady mafia is doing, is what we are doing, which is honest. We are not being dishonest or or deceitful. What is honest is we are saying to these women, hey, we're literally just like you. We are just like you. I'm living a life. I got to do my laundry too. I got to get my oil changed too. And man, I didn't plan to be single in my thirties either. And, and I'm, I'm busy too, just like you guys who are moms. And I'm, you know, I'm just like you. Here's something that I've learned and here's a book. And then they go like, man, this person is just like me. And, and it seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, Carrie, it seems to me that men want to, want to listen to men they want to be like, and women want to listen to women they think they are already like. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Right? Yes. Is that what you see in yes. there too? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's why uh, I was just letting your off. mic drop for a moment there. Annie. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> was, that was profound. You're right. That's what people love about Bob Goff is, every, is he has managed to make every man go, I can be like Bob. I can mm. be like Bob. Yeah, Bob has this weird thing where, um, and I mean that in the most complimentary way, where he lives an impossible life. Like, you know, you spend 10 minutes with Bob in person or online. And I mean, you're like, oh my gosh, you just flew to Mars, um, you know, (laughs) saved the entire continent of Africa. And and now you're hanging out um, in a parade in your neighborhood that's right. But somehow I, you made me think that's possible and you're just like me. It's the weirdest thing. It's the yes. weirdest thing with Bob. So, and that's one of the reasons he's a crossover for male and female. Well, and I wonder, that's a little bit like my style. Like and didn't see it coming, right? It's like, oh my gosh, aren't we all in this together? Oh right? man, when you said the thing about like uh, the 11, as we talked about on my show, when we talked uh, the 11 places of, of lower level burnout, I was like, yeah. Carrie gets me. He gets me that it's not this like massive explosion of a life. It's this slow burn <laughs> of so falling apart. Is it so. the like male pride or this idea that I've got it all together and I'm the expert and, you know, therefore you need to sit at my feet? Like it's it's fascinating because the loyalty of the female tribe yeah. is yeah. is like incredible. I have a friend, I won't incredible. name names, but, uh, you know, he'd sold a number of books, Guy, Um had sold a bunch of books, like well into the bestseller category. And then there was a very well-known women's ministry that I won't name Uh that featured him and said, hey, you should go and buy, you know, X guy's book. And they they sold like 20,000 copies in a month. And he's like, there's no guy I know with that power. Like yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. And so yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really interested when you think about audience engagement, like your, your writing style is so personal and so yeah. narrative. And so right. like we're having a cup of coffee with Annie and then, you know, every five or 10 pages, this pearl drops in the middle of yeah. a longer Thank narrative. You. What, yeah. um, talk to me about the bond that you have with your audience. It feels very real to me. I think that's where it has to start is if the author, the podcaster, the speaker is trying to create a tribe, they will not connect with that tribe. If you are trying to make friends, you will build a tribe that is bigger than you would ever dream, right? Because that, and that's all I am really, you and I have talked about this, like it's not about numbers, it's about connection. And I genuinely... I set out to write books and create shows on the podcast and speak to an audience in a way that says, Annie actually feels like we're friends. Like when people walk up to me at the airport and they go, I know this is crazy, but I feel like we're best friends. And I go, I do actually do too. I actually feel like we're friends. The fact that you would even walk up to me is a friendship move to me. So I'm in. I find that that breeds loyalty in women and in men actually is. And, and you and I have joked that, that you're infiltrating and trying to learn how women do ministry. And I'm infiltrating to learn how men do it because I think it's so interesting. And I so value uh, strong leadership from ma- men and women. And I just, and I think dudes are awesome. I like hanging out yeah. with guys all the time. I eat lunch, at, you know, I have an office at my at my local church where I attend and I go to lunch once a week with like five guys that are all married and we like 
go and we sit and we talk about sports and life and whatever. I just think they're really fun to be around. But, but the way that men do ministry is very different than how women do ministry. And fa- the the strongest families in a church or in a home, I think, have a have a male leadership father voice and a female leadership mother voice. I mean, God is both of us, right? The full reflection of God is in both of us, and so we need our our audiences, for lack of a better word, I use friends a lot more. Our audiences need to feel like they are hearing from a father and a mother. And so I I want to understand how fathers do it and I want to be the mother voice. Hmm. What do you admire in male leadership? When you when you look at male leadership as it's practiced today, yeah. you would say, yeah. guys, keep doing this. Keep expanding your reach in a way that the your your congregation, your family feels protected. When I see pastors kind of put their arms around their congregation and say, hey, I've been, I went ahead of you there and I'm here to tell you how we're going to survive this. Or I, this hard thing is coming our way and I am going to be there with you. I think the protective um, part of the male personality and the male leadership is women cannot do that in that way. It is really? it is a uniquely okay. gifted. Yeah, we can protect people. I mean, we have mama bearness in us, yeah. but there is a difference when a man and we're seeing this in the in the you know sexual abuse movement. Mm-hmm. It is women want men to stand up for us. Yes. Even the most feminist, strongest women are saying, "Why are the men not speaking out against the men?" You go, "Why do you care?" Why do you care? You're at, you say that the women voice is the one that matters and yet you want men to stand up for you because in our in if you ask me in our heart of hearts there is a protection that comes from a male that God put in men that is not in women and it's different and we want men to stand up for us. It doesn't mean we're weak, just means we want to be protected in 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 a way that is a uniquely masculine way. And it is a way that God demonstrates in his in his warriorness and Jesus returning as a warrior. Uh, I would say I am a warrior in a lot of ways. I have a warrior heart, but I am not a masculine warrior. And that's and that's a different thing. And so that's one of the ways I see men leading. Um, I feel like what I'm seeing, and I'm in a really honestly, I don't use this word lightly. I'm in a really blessed, unique situation that I am I'm surrounded by male leaders at my local church that I want to be like. I mean, there are mm. so, you know, Pastor Kevin Queen, I mean, Chris yeah. Nichols, some of these guys here, Drew Powell, I could keep going. I'm going to leave somebody out if I keep going. But I, I just, I could not be more um, honored to lead along with them as we, uh, on the teaching team here at Crosspoint. But I watch them and I go, okay, they are in private who they are in public. And I think that's amazing. So that's hmm. male and female. But I think it's amazing to see men being um, being intentional to be who they are in private and public. And I love seeing men who um, figure out how to have healthy friendships with women, but whose closest tribe are... I like when they have really good dude friendships too. Yeah. So I think it's both are important. I don't think we need to live in a world where men and women can't be friends. I think that I would be so sad if I couldn't be friends with dudes. I think y'all are so much fun. But but it, I can't be friends with y'all like y'all can be friends with each other. And the same is true in reverse. Men, you know, my guy friends aren't ever going to be the same as my female friends. And so having having both to me is really important because I want mother and father voices in my life, even as just peer mentors. I want mother and father voices. 
Any thoughts on, because you raised it, like having lunch, any thoughts on the Billy Graham rule, not to put anything on Billy Graham, you know, God bless him, but like that idea that men should not meet alone with a woman, woman, period, without a third person present, all of that. Do you think that's too restrictive? Uh, Do you think that's wise? What what are your thoughts on that? I, I think the fruit of Billy Graham's life shows us that he he had some stuff, almost everything right, <laughs> right? Yeah. I would never yeah. question the fruit of the life of him. Um, I have decided for... So I'm in an interesting spot too because I'm single, so there isn't a husband for me to consider, but yeah. there are a lot of wives for me to consider. And right. so I don't have a relationship, a friend, and by relationship, I mean friendship. I don't have a friendship with a man who's married, who's my friendship with the wife is not, is trying to be equal to. I'm gotcha. really intentional about that of like, if me and him see each other every day at the office, then she and I are going to choose to see each other too. And we're going to, because I think the enemy, to get really spiritual, I think the enemy wants to screw us all up all the time. Yes. And while I am never one who's going to sign up for an affair or even think that would ever even happen, that that's ridiculous to think that it's not possible. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I mean, I don't do one-on-one lunches with married men, but that's more because if a single guy is in the restaurant and he wants to date me, he thinks I'm taken and I don't want that to happen. <laughs> so you're <laughs> so like, it's the perception. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be sitting at a meal with a married guy and miss out on a chance with a single guy who's actually going to end up with me. <laughs> so that's what funny. a face. What a waste of a meal. So no, but I do do, I mean, I'm fine with group stuff with married, with married men, but I, I personally, I mean, I'll ride in a car with one. I don't have, you know, if we're all going somewhere and me and a married guy end up in the car together and we're going 15 miles, I'm fine with that. Um, I feel like, I feel like we all are, but you know what? And I'll tell you the, the other truth is the minute something smells off to me, the minute that I'm having feelings I don't like or the minute I'm sensing feelings that he has or that we're we're connecting too much, I, I run. Sometimes with mm. communication, sometimes without. I don't run as in never speak to him again, but I go, okay. Yeah, you're going gonna... to pull back a little bit. Yeah. 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 yeah how, do you, how do you say that if you feel something's off? Uh, the one time I said something, I just said, man, we, I mean, I, you know me, Carrie, I just made it a joke. Okay, we're spending a ton of time together. You are keeping me from finding a husband. Get out of here. You know, something silly like right. that. Right, okay. Like, you know, I so just it's kind not of like, it let off. me have a really awkward conversation oh, with you. Oh, no, 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 no. I haven't had like a, I need to sit down with you and your wife. <laughs> it was for like, <laughs> hey, have you have you thought of anybody to set me up with yet? Because I'm ready to be dating somebody and not hanging out with Yahoo's like you and your friends. You know, like just gotcha. trying to play it off. And then I just back away. But I do the same. I mean, you've probably done that with women. I do the same thing with single guys. Where mm-hmm. I go like, hey, if if we're not going to date, we're not going to talk this much. So, or if we are going to date, let's go. And then we go one way or the other. But I just think there's, there is always a point where you know. And and like you and I have talked before, the little yeses that are yes. in those spots and in those moments, I I am not perfect at it. But but I know when I'm making a little yes, that should be a no. And, and those little yeses of one more text message or one meal that that we probably shouldn't be doing or, you know, one, just one little like one too far. And, and you're saying big yeses real quick. And, and I have watched churches and families and um, yeah, a handful of really important people lose a lot because they said a big yes, it didn't feel big to them anymore. And I'm just, 
I'm going to do my very, very best. I want to stay in this game till the very end. And that's the end of me, not the end of, you know, not. Yeah. Yeah. Four yeah. Years but yeah, the end. Yeah. You, you at 80, God willing, yeah. you yeah, want to, right. you want to be fresh alive and celebrating that's the right. whole deal. I still want to be podcasting, you know? And so, and I've made a lot of mistakes already and we'll make more going forward. But, but I think Billy Graham to circle all the way back mm-hmm. for you. I think, I think Billy Graham knew himself the best. And so we can trust that he knew himself and he made rules for himself that remind us that everyone needs to know their line. And and I've never had an attraction to a married man that I did not express to someone to say, hey, this weird thing happened. And usually it's my counselor or my mentor. And I go, hey, this weird moment happened. I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm walking away, but I'm saying out loud that this one time my heart jumped and I'm running. And um, I just, man, I just don't want to, I, I, I don't ever want to ruin the fun I'm having and the ministry I'm having because I can't walk away. And does that, does that make it lose power when you say it out loud? Oh yeah, that's the thing, right? Because mm-hmm. as long as it's a secret, it, it can do something. As soon as people know, they watch you if you and the guy are in the same place, you know, if it's a student pastor at a summer camp and I'm speaking, or if it's, you know, a waiter at a restaurant and he has Mm -hmm. a ring on, you know, like once you say it out loud, everybody's watching. So what are you going to do then? You're going to like publicly be an idiot? No. (laughs) You put yourself in jail, right? Yeah. Yeah, My pride, my pride won't let me publicly be an idiot. I can privately be an idiot for a long time. So, so yeah, I try, I, I try to, because I want to be friends with married guys and I don't want to ruin it. And so I I have to draw really high fences so that I can stay in the field. What are some things you see male leaders do that you wish we would stop doing? And I know this is like big generalizations, but yeah, it's, it's a fascinating conversation. I'm sure there's things that you look at and like, what is with that? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when male pastors will ask me or one of my friends to come in and speak to their women because they because they're like I just need you to say things I can't say. I'm always like, I mean, did you try? Like are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, I'm happy for you to pay me to do that, but but I bet they would listen to you. You know, so a lot of times I think, yeah, bring me in. It's my job. Bring me in. Mm-hmm. But don't bring me in because you think you don't have something to say to them or or they won't listen to you because they'd rather listen to us than listen to just you or just me. They'd rather hear both of our opinions. So bring me in and let me do my part, but you do your part too. Um, I also get bothered, and this doesn't happen as much in adult realm as it does in student ministry and in college ministry, but when we split up men and women and we talk to the men about pornography and the women about eating disorders, because I'm like, you know who's watching porn? Women. And you know who's having an eating disorder? That seventh grade kid who nobody knows. And he's like a football player and he's still really struggling. And and so I just think we we got to quit acting like certain sins are gender gender biased versus yeah. they're all gender neutral. And when you, and you know this, but I mean, you know, when, when iPhones and, and smartphones are available to everyone, no matter whether you're male or female, pornography is going to chase you. And yeah. so we have to... We have to say to women, this is not a male sin. This is a sin. 
Like, this Mm. is not a male temptation. This is a temptation. And say the same to young men about body image and about these things that we have historically labeled as uh, female only. Because what it does, when we tell young men, or grown men, when we say that an eating disorder is something that only women struggle with, or we say certain mental health disorders are only women, then not only do they feel shame for struggling, they feel shame for, they feel double shame because they're struggling and it's a female sin. So right. then who can that How can they tell their youth pastor who's who is keeps saying that all the girls have body image issues? How can they say, well, I'm cutting myself too? Yeah. And then they go, well, I can't because that means I'm this or that or the other. It means I'm all these labels that go with having a feminine sin. And the same is true for women who struggle with more masculine, historically masculine sins of like, well, not only can I not confess that I have been reading books that are pornographic or looking at video that's pornographic, my youth pastor is also going to be shocked because I'm not a dude. Right. You know, or for, I mean, they're adult. I mean, you would not believe how much this is a conversation in women ministry right now. I mean, I I sat with some women uh, in the summer of 18 and they said, we need to tell you the biggest things we're seeing and you tell us where if, if you're seeing it everywhere, everywhere else. And it was comparison, which is super normal for women, and it was pornography. Wow. And they're like, what do, we, what do we do? We didn't know until we asked anonymously, anonymously, and that's what people said. And then you go like, yeah, everyone's talking about it. And so that's, that's some things I see male leaders could step into. It's not even that I think male leaders are doing it wrong. It's, will you step into this and believe that you can teach on pornography on a Sunday morning and everyone in the room needs to hear it? Right. I know. I think that's a really good challenge because I think some of our assumptions about what people struggle with are 5, 10, 15, 30 years out of date. And yeah, that's right. yeah. That's right. welcome to 2019. I think it's very fair that in 1975, the chance of a female having a Playboy magazine under her mattress was very oh, much you're lower. you're talking slim single digits totally. at the most. I mean, I mean, just look at the difference, though, Carrie, as well, is that women, and Jamie Ivey writes about this in her book um, that just came out last year, but you know, in the uh, 40 years ago, you had to go find it. Yes. Today it is chasing us. Mm-hmm. And so men and women. And so it's just that, yeah, there's a little bit of... Yeah, and women are bored in their marriages just like men are. And sure. women are frustrated, you know, just like men are. And I think it's that that easy access thing that that opens it up. And I know every time I touch on that in my teaching at our church, like we just, we just hear, please say more about that. Please say more about that. Yes. Like people want yeah. you to go there. They yeah, want you to do. talk about it. They really do. But it's uncomfortable. Yeah. As a, as yeah, a communicator, because it's I know people have sex. It's awful. It's yeah. an awfully weird thing to talk about. Yeah, it's terrible. It but is. If you don't say to men and women, and it feels weird because you're sitting in a Sunday room, Sunday morning room, surrounded by people that are all different than you, and you go like, "Oh, I don't want anybody to say this while I'm sitting next to a guy, or while I'm sitting around, you know, these people I don't really know." And then you go like, "Man, I care more about your freedom than I do about your comfort." So we got to get people <laughs> set free from this, you know? Yeah. Um. Okay. So I, I, I want to talk a little bit because I've had a conversation with a number of leaders and I just want to see, okay. and you can totally agree, disagree. Okay. Um, and we're not going to solve the whole issue of women in leadership, women in ministry. We might. Oh, okay. You go ahead because that'd be great. <laughs> but I know we've got different people with different views listening, both male and female. However, 
I think it is fair to say that women have not been empowered to lead always in the church. That would be a fair statement that we could agree to. Um, but um, it seems to me that a lot of women have looked outside of the church for leadership as a result. Like definitely inside, so-and-so is my pastor, so-and-so's our staff, this is my church, this is, this is my tribe. But when you think about the quote female mafia, which I, I should stop using that term. I like but it. No, that, I'm kind of into it. Do you really? Okay. Yeah, and no, and didn't fine. seem to mind it either. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but Those when you look friends. at I'm like, yeah, I'll be in a I'll be in a club with them. <laughs> but you look at the tremendous influence, the tremendous audience. I mean, Lisa Turkers told me on this podcast that she gets uh, six to eight million people who access her podcast daily or her content daily. Which is I believe insane. That's insane. Yeah. Um insane. Like those are crazy numbers. I mean, I'm not sure the NFL has that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right? like to a certain extent, I don't know what their stats yeah. are, but like that you're up there when when that is is your thing. And okay. so I'm wondering if uh, not having much of a voice in the church that this has created that whole thing out there that is happening on the internet through books, through conferences, through events. Can you comment on that a little bit? I just love to get your take on that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I think that's true in my story is I didn't see a lot of females leading in the church, um, but my mom was a lawyer. And so I saw her leading out of our home all the time and leading right. in our home with my dad as well. But, but, you know, I knew she was a powerful woman in a business sense, but I didn't see any... And, and even coming into this job, you know, I've been doing this full time for eight years, nine years, mm -hmm. and have been in Nashville pursuing this since 2008. So 11 years. And I remember there was a time when uh, Jenny Allen and I were at a meal with a bunch of other women at the table. And Christine Kane said to us, um, do y'all know any female pastors? And at the time I was like, I mean, this is probably eight years ago. I was like, I don't really know any that are named pastor per se. And Jenny was like, yeah, I don't know at, the, at this point in my life. And and Christine says, raise your hand at this table if you're a female pastor. And all the other women raised their hands. Wow. <laughs> and me and Jenny were like, oh, oh, okay. And Jenny had, I mean, Jenny had more experience than I did, but it was very new to me. So even growing up a Christian and growing up in the church, I didn't know female pastors until I was a proper adult. And so it's just such a different... Um, experience now because even in the last 10 years, the conversation in the church has changed so drastically about where women should be and how they should lead and what it looks like to lead. And there are going to be a lot of women who tell you a lot of different answers. But what I stand by, and we've talked about it, is um, the father voice and the mother voice. That is, that is what mm -hmm. I keep going back to, is that mm -hmm. we are both made in the image of God. And so there is a place in the church. And in fact, it's a little bit of a privilege thing to say, but I kind of don't care for titles and don't care what the title yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. If there's a women, if there's a mother voice in the church, okay. You know, like if if she's the pastor's wife, that's great. If she is on staff, that's great. If she's an Annie, like I, I'm neither of those things. I'm not the pastor's wife. I'm not on staff. I'm on the teaching team. And mm -hmm. so there is a mothering voice in our community, even though I'm not a mother by birth, by birthing children. I am a mother by how I uh, disciple and lead and, and, strategically take care of others. And, and so to me, the, um, the question of what women leadership looks like in the church, it's, 
it's just so it is so complicated because of Paul. <laughs> it was so yeah, Paul. Yeah, it's also complicated because of Lydia and how uh-huh. she brought the scripture to the Romans, right? So it just is all um I think a lot of times God trusts us to use our brains. And and yeah. I'll tell you, Carrie, there are times where I know I am out of place. And I don't know if I'm out of place, stepping out of place because of my gender or just because I'm stepping into leadership that isn't mine or because I am um, not, I I've, have some unrepentant sin that means I shouldn't be right in a leadership spot. But I know well, in my gut. Join the long line of men. I mean, come on. Sure, right? right? Yeah, with that and so one. I know there are moments where I go, yeah, I'm not supposed to lead right here. and I, and, and I would never automatically go because I'm a girl. I'm like, no, no, no there no. are times where where I'm not supposed to lead and I need to listen to that. And there are times where, uh, Chris, again, Christine Kane said to me once, their invitation is your permission. So if they invite mm. you to stand there, be there, lead there, that's your permission to do it. And yeah. so there are times even here at Crosspoint where I will throw in an opinion where I go, well, you invited me to be on the teaching team. So I'm going to say a thing here. You don't have to listen to me. I, my opinion doesn't have to be the right opinion, but I'm going to say an opinion because your invitation is my permission to be Annie. And so, um, so does that kind of answer the question? No, that's really helpful. And I'll I'll just say to listeners, because I think if you're, you know, in the hyper, I don't know, conservative, and I mean, I consider myself somewhat conservative, but if you're like, you know, the the super conservatives and the super liberals will be saying, I can't believe you guys are actually having this conversation. One from the perspective of, of course, women aren't in leadership. And the other from how this is 2019. What do you mean women are not in leadership? Like, so I, I get the two poles, but there's a lot of people in the middle. And I think John Maxwell gave us a really helpful definition of leadership when he said leadership is influence. And mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated by the influence that you have, that all the women that we've named have. Your good friend, Rachel Cruz, you look at how she's yes. leading at Dave Ramsey. And, yeah. and these are women who don't have as yet... Um, a position, so to speak, in the church. And I think in part, I mean, you do, you're on, you're on staff at Crosspoint. And I'm not saying, I mean, Christine Kane preaches at churches every weekend yeah. and yeah. Voskamp does, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Not every weekend, but you know what I mean? Right. But I'm just saying sometimes when you don't make a place, leaders just find a place. And- yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, and I, yeah, I've, uh, as a part of the teaching team, not an actual staff member, but as a teaching team, it, it genuinely, um, women will find a place to lead if they feel called to lead. Mm-hmm. What we want to do as the church is go, we honor that call in you and yeah. we will help you find the right place. Mm. And that right place is different for everybody seasonally and is different. I mean, I'll have different seasons of what this looks like. This It won't look like this forever and it hasn't looked like this forever. But, but the thing we can do for men and women is go, we see leadership in you. We see a desire in you. We honor that. So... Here's yeah. where you can start and here's what you should study and here's what you should read. And and just because you feel called doesn't mean you get to lead out next week. It means you start doing the David thing of like, you're anointed. Okay, well, go back to the sheep because you got some time, you know, care for the people who are right in front of you and, and believe that the anointing's on you. Yeah, and I, I consider myself as a student of your tribe, of the women who are leading in the church, but also outside of the church. And honestly, yeah. my notebook is open because I think I have so much to learn. And I, I think you're leading brilliantly. Um, I'm sure trying, Carrie. I I just want, you know, I want to make sure 
in my leadership. And I, and again, I don't consider it leadership very often. I just think I am making friends with anyone who wants to be friends with me. I'll be friends with them. If it's through the podcast or through books or on stages, whatever it is, I'll be friends. But if I, especially for people who don't believe what we believe, I think when people fall in love with the people of God, they will fall in love with God. And Mm. so I want to be the friend they fall in love with so that at some point, my leadership walks them toward the reason we do any of this, right? Like, I don't need a position. I don't. Need, I just want people to know that Jesus is what makes all this okay. <laughs> Jesus yeah. is what this is all about. Jesus is who is who is powerful when I am powerless, and and He steps when I can't. And and so my leadership, even though I, I rarely term it that, is a leadership that says I'm just like you. I just have figured out this one answer that I really want to tell you about. But it may take you a little bit of time of listening before you believe me, but we'll just keep trying because I'm just going to keep telling you the same story. Any other notes from from that field where, because your audience is so highly engaged, anything yeah. else that you find? Because, I mean, there are pastors trying to connect with their congregation. There's business yeah. leaders trying to connect with clients. There's sure. marketers trying to connect with the market. I mean, there's so many people listening to this episode who are like, yeah, what I'm trying to do is connection. And yeah. so as a student of what you're doing, anything else that you would say, hey, when I do this, it works really well. Or when I do yeah. this, eh, gong show doesn't work. Yeah. And you and I talk about this a little bit, but if you do it for the money, it will be a short term. You will get exactly what you pay, what you're getting paid for, which is money in the bank. You will not make <laughs> friends. That's not how you make friends. That's not how you make connection. If you are doing this for the money, you will get money. If you are doing this for connection, you will get connection and money. So it's yeah, up to yeah. you. It's up to you. Yeah. And so for me, that's what I have learned is I've made some decisions where I thought I have to do this for the bottom line. Mm. And sometimes that's still the right thing. And you said, not like firing someone or making a hard business decision, but going like, do I talk about this product or do I talk about this person or, you know, and if you are doing it because you're trying to get somewhere or get something, you may get there and get something, but it's going to be short term. And I'm, I'm trying to marathon here. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't end up feeling good about that either at the end yeah. of the day, if you ever, and we've all done that once or twice, but you know, or more. Yeah, you have but. to, right? Like you have to give yourself permission for this to be messy. We, after church yesterday, we just, a couple of us sat around and went like, well, some of that was great and some of that was messy and this is what we do. Like, it's going to be a little bit messy. and That's how I feel about this as well is that leadership sometimes just looks a little bit messy. But I am learning that if you do it because you want to connect and that if you do it because you go like, God has put something in me that I want to share and I genuinely believe it matters, people will believe you. Yeah, which is interesting. I get you, you must get this too. I hear from young leaders all the time, like, how do I build a platform? Oh, and yeah, okay, you have the same reaction. Yeah, I'm like, that go. was the wrong question. If you want to build a platform, you need to literally go buy some wood and some nails and do it in your backyard and stand <laughs> on it. Okay, because that's my new answer. Yes, you can have it. That If you want a platform, I can tell you exactly how to build one at Home Depot. Because what we are doing is kingdom work. This isn't platform yeah. building, it's kingdom work. I find that the people who end up with platforms weren't really setting out to build a platform. And the people yeah. who were setting out to, I'm not saying there's no exceptions to that, but the people sure. who who were, you know, we weren't setting out, like, I never thought the podcast would become this. I didn't, I didn't think this many people would show up on the blog or buy my books or any of that. Like, this was not in my brain as to a life plan, but here we right. are in the process yeah. of 
trying to help a lot of leaders, just a lot of leaders yeah. showed up. And next yeah. thing you know, but if you're mentoring a younger woman, a younger man in leadership, what are some tips you would give them to say, here's some things you should do. Here's some things to avoid. Yeah. For starters, I would say, um, make your private life public to somebody. You shouldn't have you shouldn't have secrets. Not from everybody. The world doesn't need to know your secrets, but your right. your mentor does, your pastor does, some leadership does. Uh, pastor Kevin and I sat down today. He popped into my office and I said, "Hey, I'm just having the one a hard time in this one area, and I just want to say it to you." And he went, "Oh man, I get it." And let me pray. And you know, so I don't need the whole world to know that, but I need I need people to know that. So if you have a private life that is so private nobody knows, it's gonna come out. I mean, we see it all the time, right? Like light always shows up in the darkness. And so your secrets aren't going to stay secret. You get to decide when they come out and how they come out um, or other people will, you know, Mm. which is, uh, which is unfortunate. So that's one thing I often tell people, especially if they want to do a job like yours or mine is I say, okay, you better, you better have your private life in order to the best of your ability. We're all allowed to be human. But to the best ability, have your private life in but order. But your wife shouldn't be surprised or, you know, I'm married, but right. she should never be surprised by what she sees you say in public. And yes. it shouldn't be like, wow, I'm in really enjoying the gap right now, Carrie. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that my, my three best friends from childhood, we have a rule that they cannot learn something from a book or from a stage that I have not already told them. Oh, wow. And that came in, that happened after three books were out before I'm at eight now. So the first three, then there was this conversation of like, hey, we're tired of reading things that we didn't know, but you're letting the world know it before you're telling us. And I thought that is a good correction spot. And so now I, we go through, we, they don't oh, learn things good. in books. That's and good. so, yeah, I just, I just found, we found that to be important for our friendship that they didn't want to learn things in books. And I said, okay, so we shan't. Um, hmm. So that's that's another thing I would say is 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 have your people in place. And something Shelly Giglio taught me that has really impacted me is she said, plan for success. We always plan for failure. But what do you do if this goes really well? You know, like have you have you thought ahead of what if you do have a lot of people start following the work you're doing? Are you prepared for that in some way? I don't think you can be prepared fully, but but there is some um there is some, can you prepare for success? And, and Shelly walking me through that, I kind of went like, oh yeah, I do need to think through what happens if, if the Today Show calls and asks me to come talk about this one topic I put in my book. Am I willing to go do that? Right. You know, like at least have that And then what's that going to feel like, right? Right, right, right. Um, and then the, you know, a thing that I see a little bit in our world from men and women, I see it a lot in the women's space because I am in a lot of those like, mafia meetings, you know, yeah, yeah. there'll be a lot yeah, of yeah. us in the backstage is if you are there because you are trying to climb people, you will, you will have a short term experience. Yeah. Um, if you are there to give to people, one of the last questions I like to ask when I'm with my friends is, is there anything I can do for you? What can I do for you? Because I experience that those people who ask me that I feel like they're genuinely care about me. And so I took that and started asking people that because I want people to feel like I genuinely care. So what can I do for you? Like, is there anything I can do to help you? That I love that. What, when you see social climbing, because I think we all have yeah. a picture in our head of what that is. So you're in the green yeah. room and someone's climbing or whatever. Somebody's yep. trying to use your platform. Can you just articulate what that, how you have seen that and what are the triggers that rub you the wrong way? Just so that yeah. we can all get a better sense of when we see that in the mirror. 
Yeah, right. Because that's the problem is everyone else in the green room knows it's you except you usually. Yeah. Yep. And so that's the problem. I'm always like, how did they not know that we are <laughs> all watching this? Like, don't go talk to Tim Tebow and not ask me who I am. Like, don't walk right. past me to Tim Tebow um, unless you have a Florida Gator hat on. And then please walk by me to Tim Tebow because I ain't want to talk to you anyway. But um, <laughs> but to me, I, so one of the big things that stands out to me, it is, so we'll make up a person's name, Sarah. Sarah mm-hmm. is a brand new speaker and and she's got her first book out with a traditional publishing gig and she walks in the room and she she doesn't even see the people who are putting the food on the table. Right. And you can see she's looking past the people or or she sits down next to someone's assistant and doesn't speak to them. But then when that person sits down, she speaks to that person. You know, uh... you, you just see those little clues that go like, I had a, a Christian musician one time, Carrie. I was uh, I'd gotten nominated for a K Love Award, and so I was at the K Love cool. Awards, and uh, and I'm doing the like step and repeat where you take the picture for Getty Images, and the photographer says to the Christian musician, um, "Hey, she needs to take your picture." He goes, "Oh, did you want a picture with me?" And I was like, "Um, I mean, yeah, sure." Um, and then the Getty, the image guy jumps in and is like the photographer image guy. The photographer jumps in and is like, oh, she's nominated. And the musician says, oh, are you somebody? Oh, man. And I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I can't be more offended for humans, not even for myself, <laughs> but for humans. That, that would be your question, right? So it's even things like that that you go like, the problem is once you realize who that I was somebody as you categorize people, your treatment of me changed. Mm-hmm. And that, and so I don't, I think we're done here. I think no matter, and that Christian musician has never been on my podcast and won't because <laughs> I'm like, no, you, you don't, you don't do this right. I, I, I'm not, I'm not into that. And so to me, that's the big things is who do they see? Do they see everybody in the room? And we all have limited time. So we can't say hi to every single person in a green room or every single person at a gas station or whatever. But, but you could, I mean, what are you, what are the clues you see? What jumps out to you? Yeah. A lot of that resonates. Um, I, I would say wandering eyes, which I have to watch, you know, because p- people who are climbing will gravitate toward the most, you know, when Andy Stanley walks in the room or, you know, the A-list keynoter and you're talking to somebody who's not going to be on the platform. Yep. Are you just looking to get out of that conversation? Are you really willing to be there? Are, are You know, little things like, are you willing to clean up your own mess? Like if you've eaten lunch, like will yes. you just throw that stuff in the garbage, please? Just throw um, your trash in the garbage in a green room and everyone will like you. Like, yeah, that is it's, full stop. Just throw your garbage away. No, stuff like that, right? And not be the yeah. diva. And it's weird because I think people were fascinated with fame. Again, back to we all carry our phones in our pocket now. Not only is that a porn thing, but it makes everybody believe because the internet is flat, right? Like a guy working out of his basement can get millions of downloads and you know, you 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 right. just start a podcast and all of a sudden it's like boom, there we are. And so yeah. that does happen from time to time. But I would say if you're listening going, oh, I hope this happens one day. Because fame is now, like I think in the 50s, it was like, you know, 2% of the population wanted to be famous. Now yeah. it's like half the population it's wants insane. to be famous. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And, you know, I've been, I, I do want to be clear that I've been the person in the green room who wanted to talk to the famous person too. Oh, me I, too. I know that feeling. That's an instinct. I mean, 
uh, yeah, yesterday at church, I was in a conversation with someone and someone else I wanted to talk to more was walking behind the person. And I had to say to myself, stay right here. What if this is the most important conversation God gives you today? Stay yeah, that's right. my brain talk. Like, yes, I I'm have like, focus, 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 focus. Yes. Same, same, same. So I can be her too, but I can also sniff her out in a green room or him out in a green room and be like, yeah, if if I can, if you walk by my assistant and you don't even look like she's a human because you're hurrying to me, mm. then then I probably, oh, yeah. I probably already know who you are. And here, here's a tip. <laughs> the assistant is often more powerful than the leader. Amen to that. Listen, mm-hmm. if you get my assistant on your team, then you've got me on your, I, I don't have a choice. Exactly. The next thing I know, a, a thing pops up on my iCal that you're scheduled for a podcast or you're- I'm How do you think, think I got in, Annie? Podcast. Come on. No. <laughs> Eliza, when we were in Seattle, yeah. no way. We, I said to her, we, I can't believe we just got to meet Karen Newell. That's so oh, cool. Come on. It was both I mean, ways. Do you know what's so funny is there's probably people in that room that were like, oh, Annie's a climber. She looked right past me to carry. <laughs> <laughs> I was in that room. Well, I might've yeah. done the same thing, but you know, I, I think that's the thing you, 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 and, and remembering names, which I have to really work at. You meet a certain oh, number of people true. like remembering names, really important. And then I always look at when people remind you how they met you. Someone at church did that to me yesterday. She said, Hey, I'm so-and-so remember we met at blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you are such a gift. Cause yes, I exactly remember Mm. that when you tell me how I met you. That is so kind. Right. Or they say, Hey, you know, my name's Trevor. We met a few years ago at such and such a conference. And you know, you sent me an email once or whatever. And you never, you don't understand. I don't, I don't want to get too meta here, but I always said I'd always be the guy who answers every email personally. I would always be. And then eventually you get so much email or so many people come in, you're like, oh, that's how it happened. So that's very helpful. Yep, but I, yep. would, I would also say the other thing that I've learned, and this is a word for anyone who goes to conferences or that, because you think this is my once in a lifetime opportunity to meet X. Yeah. And in the last few years, I've just started to let those go. Yes, Carrie, that's such good wisdom. So, you know, it's not like, oh, it's going to be a surgical strike. Like I've got two minutes here with Annie F. Downs, not the quilter, but this one from Nashville. She's Australian. She's harder to get to anyway. (laughs) So, you know, I'm like, okay, God, I'm in the middle of a conversation right now with somebody from wherever. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to finish that conversation. And if the other person leaves the room, but you want me to meet that person. Yeah. That's okay. And that'll happen some other time. So that is how I live with Reba McIntyre. I'm dying really? to be friends with Reba McIntyre. And we're in the same town all the time. And I always have to say to myself, worst case scenario, we're both going to heaven. So worst <laughs> case scenario, <laughs> I have eternity. So anyone who's dying to meet you or me, worst case scenario, we're going to be together forever. And we Absolutely. are not going to have any signing lines or any, you're going to have unlimited time because we are not going to be the star of any show. But I'm, I'm, I, that's such great advice, Carrie. Let like, it is just like a binge eating where you would say, "I have to eat this right now because I may never get this meal again." Right. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. <laughs> you do not have to act like that. And and so the same is true when you meet an influencer or a leader that has changed your life that much. It may be the only time you are in the same room. Who knows? But you do not have to worry. We are not scarcity. We're abundance believers. Yeah. And we just believe that God has got a lot for us. And the conversation you are in will give you more than two minutes with a person who is an influencer. I Mm -hmm. think. Yeah. Now we're going to have to live this out because probably me and Oprah are going to be in the same room. And I'm like in a conversation with... Oh, there are exceptions with me. And you're like, get out of the way, Carrie. (laughs) Oprah's yeah, there. Yeah, I was just shoving, yeah. I was just yeah. shoving people me. to get to you. You're blocking me. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, for any rooms you and I are in, just know we're going to skip right by on each other. <laughs> um, podcasting. Tell me yes. a little bit about what you're learning about podcasting. We have a lot of podcasters listening. People yeah. want to launch one. Um, yeah. what, what, you, you are so conversational and so natural in your style and delivery. Do you have a filter for like what gets in or what doesn't? Is it literally, if it sounds fun? So people-wise, I only have guests on that are my current friends or people I want to be friends with. That's our line. And so if it's someone that... Because probably like you and a lot of our listeners who have podcasts, we have people mail us books and say, can we be on the show? Can we be on the show? And, And I look at all of them. And, and the conversation kind of goes like, yeah, I, we have, and there's a limited number of dates, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I've got 50, what, 52 weeks out of the year and we do two shows a week. So I can have 104 people on my show. And that's if we have no repeats and we usually have some repeats. People love, there's a couple of my listeners, I'm sorry, a couple of my guests that people love having back. Right. Yeah. You have them on three, four, five times. times. Yeah. 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 And so, so to me, uh, that's, that's kind of my line is, is this my actual friend? And is this someone that I, if it's not my friend, is it someone I'm a fan of enough that I can trust that if my listeners go into their catalog of work, I know enough of them. So a great example is Corey Asbury. Corey yeah. Asbury and I were not friends before we did the show, but I adored him and loved his music and had been a listener of his music for a decade. So we became friends through the show and are now good buds, but, but we didn't know each other before, but I knew that I could trust his catalog of work. Yeah. Um, so and so I I I was happy to have him on even though we weren't already friends ahead of time. So that's how I pick guests. As far as content, I usually just like you and I have done today, I usually just let the conversation do what it would do if we were having coffee. Mm-hmm. What would come up? What would we talk about? And there are times where things get incredibly personal and I've had one guest call back and go Hey, I loved having that conversation with you, but that middle 4 minutes, I don't think I want public and I said, "Okay, I mean, you know, this is this is their choice too. This isn't just my choice. Oh yeah, um, that's a rule on the. I mean, I told you that at the beginning too of this interview, I love right? That. I, I, yeah, when you said that, I said I'm going to start saying that to people in my head. I had an A-lister. Honestly, I had an A-lister. I won't name his name, but I mean, everybody listening, I think, would know who he is. One of the top speakers in the world. We did a whole 45 minute interview, and he came to me afterwards, and he goes, "You know what? I don't think I'm okay with that." And he was very happy to give the interview. But he said that got too personal. So I texted him the next morning and I said, how are you feeling now? He's like, do you mind? We just never aired the whole thing. It was destroyed. Yeah. Gone. That's right. That's what you have just to gone. And, 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 and again, this fits in that same category of climbers. Like, honestly, who cares? That is a kingdom move and a friendship move. So oh, we yeah. get another interview and you work it out and it's totally fine. And friendship mattered more to you than what you would have gained from those 45 minutes. Well, I don't want him to come back more than I want a headline. Or to yeah, embarrass right. somebody. Or, and right. don't get me wrong. What he said was not inappropriate. It was just personal. It was more like over coffee. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so that's what has to... Especially because so many of my guests are my actual real life friends. We kind of do a little pre-talk of like, hey, are, do you want me to bring that up? And can I talk about that? And are you okay? And um, and and they'll tell me yes or no. And, and I honor that because again, I want them to want to come back. I want them to feel, you know, we had a baseball player on when the Atlanta Braves came on named Dansby Swanson. And, and what I wanted is exactly, is a lot of what ended up happening. I wanted our people to decide Dansby Swanson is my major league baseball player next year. He is a friend of that sounds fun. He is a friend of Andy down. So he's a friend of mine. And Dansby would call me after games and go, well, 
people yelled, that sounds fun at me the entire game again today. <laughs> and I'm like, good. That means That's you amazing. fans who do not actually, who are proud of you for baseball, but actually love the man you are because that's who they've gotten to know on the show. And so that's what I want is I want to create, I want my friends who are sitting across from me, who are recording with me um, to be, I mean, my favorite thing in real life is my friends become friends with my friends. You know, I want this group to meet this group and like each other. I want this group to meet this group and like each other. And that's literally all I do with my podcast is I want one of my friends to meet all my friends that are listening and I want them to like each other. And so that's all I'm trying to do is introduce a new friend to my listeners. Now, okay. Uh, again, I hope leaders listening are realizing that you just got a leadership lesson. Oh, that's kind. Did you hear it? Uh, See, so it would be a bullet point on my blog with like, you know, five things that blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but that, yeah, was yeah. A, that was a huge leadership lesson. And so my little male leadership brain goes, yeah. love it, Annie. How does that scale? I feel like you have yeah. 10,000 friends. Like, how do you keep... And, and the guy leading a growing organization, growing company, growing church is right. like, oh, how does that work at 10 how locations? Right. Yeah, that is a thing. I mean, that's what we're we're in those conversations right now. That's part of what the back half of 2019 going a little quiet and the traveling side is, is yeah. how do we how does this scale authentically? Not, right. not not buying listeners, but how does how do we scale an Annie still be authentically Annie? And that's what we're trying to figure out. But I have some great models who do it for me. Jimmy Fallon does it beautifully. Oh, yeah, he, he is does very that. Authentic. You're right. Yeah, he's very authentic with his guests. You know that he loves them. Jimmy Fallon is the normal guy who got an incredible gig and he's never forgotten it. And so, and so, but he scaled it. And so I watch him. He's who I'm modeling what I do after. Alec Baldwin. And, and, and these names I'm going to say are... Um, are not in the church. And so let me just do a no, preface of, I don't totally agree with everything. Blah, 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 blah. Right, right, right. We have lots so of Alex guests. Alex Baldwin is another one that I watch really closely because every interview he does feels like you are sitting in on a conversation with two really close friends. Oh, you listen to his podcast. podcast too? Here's the thing. Yeah, I, yeah, here's the thing. And he has a TV show now on ABC that I watch. Oh, really? I didn't it's know an that. It's interview show. Okay. It's just him and a guest in a quiet room. It's just the two of them facing each other. It's so old school. And it's still brilliant. He's brilliant. See, I want my podcast first yeah. 10 seconds to sound like his over Miles Davis. Yeah. Uh, he has that, that so opening good. music. And then that's right. uh, Alec Baldwin. Right, that's right, that's right. I haven't got that voice. Like um, it's so good. You do, you should do it. So I have some (sighs) models who've scaled it beautifully. I think Candace Cameron Bure has scaled how to be a faith person Uh, in mainstream really beautifully. Um, I think Kathy Lee Gifford has done it really beautifully. And so I'm watching these people and going like, I I mean, this sounds crazy, but I want to scale to that. Hmm. I'm not trying. That's what I'm going after. How do I do that and still be Annie the whole way through is what we're trying to. And there are times we have people on the show that didn't work and you go, well, we tried. And that was it. You know, we get a lot more no's than we get yeses of asks that we make of people that that aren't already friends of mine. And, you know, we tried to get a couple of country artists on to do some Christmas stuff in the winter. And they all said no. And I'm like, okay, I'll try you again next Christmas. Like, I think yeah, we got we got a hit list for 2019 and 2020. Yeah. That's pretty Insane. ambitious because again, yeah. it's the same thing. I got a stack of books here and requests yep. and yep. the whole deal. And I got my filter. Uh, longtime listeners would know this from a yeah, mutual friend, John Acuff, another yeah, Nashville. Yeah, I adore that and, guy. Yeah. You know, Acuff for you, it's like the friendship test. Like, could we yep. be friends or are we friends? For me, yeah. And John just told me this one day in a green room when I wasn't looking past him to find someone That's else. Right. Are you kidding? Acuff's right. a blast. But right. anyway. He, he said to me, um, just do it if it interests you. 
So that's why yeah. I have the weirdest brilliant subjects like because yeah. I'm actually interested. And it was a yeah. very helpful filter because I look at stuff and I go, it's not bad. It's just not that interesting to me. That's so right. we're not going to do it right with now. someone else and yeah. they will, someone else will really enjoy it. It's not my story. It's not, right. I don't think that's, you know, and there, you know, there's another really, I mean, there's a bunch of women who are doing great podcasts, but like Jamie Ivy comes to mind because she only has women on and I go like, hmm. live your life, girl. I love it. She'll have yeah. her husband and she wants George W. Bush. And other than that, it's only men. I mean, sorry, it's only women. And so I go like, yeah, she has some different filters than I have, but her audience that is loyal to her loves her filter she's picked. And if I started having people because they were famous or known, but they weren't interesting to me and we couldn't tell a fun story and they weren't yeah. somebody that felt like a friend, my people would sniff that out and they'd be done with me. And I care more about honoring the friendship and the trust they've given me than I do about you know getting some name on it because... It, podcasts come and go so quickly too with the rate we make them, you know? So yeah, it's they like, do. I hope you love this one and I hope you feel like we're friends because if you don't, I got another one in three days. You're going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, your example of Fallon as a guy, there is something he's done because how long has he been around now? Is it close to two decades? Gosh, like probably, gotta be yeah. from SNL at the very from beginning. SNL, yeah. He he has that persona of the little guy who like, oh my goodness, can you actually believe I'm hosting The Tonight Show? Yes. And yet so insanely skilled coming up with these incredible creative gigs right. every week, like five yep. times a and week. Some of that's having incredible writers, but, oh, yeah. but, but, but it's the writers knowing him and knowing what he loves. You know, yeah. like it, it, it's, it's brilliant, Carrie. You're, you're going to watch really him so is. differently now. He has, he is doing, he's like Seth Godin to me where he is doing gospel behavior that we can mimic, even if he maybe doesn't believe everything we believe. He treats people in a gospel way of like the person sitting on this couch really matters. And I'm going to convince all of y'all he really matters because I'm looking him in the eye and I go, yeah, that's what Jesus would do right there too. Yeah, it is. And Seth Godin's another great example of somebody oh, who... Yeah. I mean, I don't know him personally. I've, I've got his books. I, I follow him. I listen. I read. Mm. Um, but somebody else who has scaled what he does in a very big way without really, like his voice hasn't changed in 15 years. Right. Right. So I, he and I know each other from about 10 years ago. I was in a really small uh, intensive group that he led and I <sighs> got picked to be in it. And Amazing. and he still, I mean, there were 12 of us. Carrie, you just want to believe the story. I'll make it fast. But there were 12 of us at his table in his office for a week. And we weren't allowed to have our phones or computers. It was pen and paper. And we couldn't take notes because he said, you remember more when you don't take notes. He said, when's the last time you took a note on a first date? He's like, mm. you don't because you just remember. And so he didn't let us take any notes. It was amazing. He was amazing. So we don't keep up every, every day. But when I have a book come out, I send it to him. If something happens that I want his opinion on, and he'll just write back one sentence on an email. And I go, he did not labor over this. He just said, I see you. I care about you. Hope you're doing. And sometimes the title of the email will be "Wow," and then I'll 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 open it and it'll say "Great book, Seth," and that's it. And you just go like, "Man, that took you six seconds," and I feel so seen. It meant the by world you. to me. Yes, it meant the world to me. And so, and so then you go like, "Okay, that's gospel." Like that 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 reminds me of Jesus. And so, mm. how can I do that in a scalable way? How can I do that in in a authentic to any way? And so. I'm watching those people. That's who I'm watching. There are people who are doing it and I'm, I want to figure out how. Well, the next time you're on, we will debrief with you about what you learned in the okay. second half of 2019 about yes. how to scale this. And yes. I think I think the principles 
are so good. This is going to be an ongoing theme to podcast listeners. Um, you know, as I try to figure out what is happening in this incredible world of influence, like you look at your influence, but you combine the list of women leaders that we've all named yeah. who maybe don't call themselves leaders, but are. Sure. And you yeah. look at that tribe and most men couldn't imagine leading I mean, look that at the much influence. Gathering, right? I mean, half oh, a yeah. million women watching the same teachers on the same weekend. When, when does that happen with men? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it just is, doesn't. It is extraordinary. And and I think it's, I think there's some spiritual, there's some spiritual something we don't know that, that God's doing that that's, that is otherworldly that we're going like, okay, we're, if gathering particularly, there's other conferences that do it as well. But if gathering, you go, yeah, something's happening here that God is doing that man yeah. couldn't have put, man or woman couldn't have put together this <laughs> right. is supernatural, you know? Um, but it is interesting to go like, okay, half a million women across the world gather together in their homes. You know, only a couple of thousand come to Texas where we do the hmm. event. The rest of them are gathering in their homes and churches and it's a big event for them because they have this opportunity to gather and hear teachers that they really respect and love and then talk to their own community about it. And it's it's working. So it is something interesting to watch. Well, oh gosh, this could be a two-hour podcast. I know, sorry. Coming into the home. Like, no, 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 no. This is like... like Hounds, you talk so much. <laughs> no, you should see all the questions that are not asked in my head. Um, yeah, good. I want to I want to talk about your book, but I want to talk because definitely people need to read it. It's called Remembering God. You have a bunch of books, yeah. but you should definitely pick that up. And what's so fascinating, I feel like it reads like your journal. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I in my heart, I'm a storyteller, and yeah. so I've I will there will come a time when I write a novel. But a lot of my books, like Remember God, Looking for Lovely, they all have a novelist uh, kind of author behind them. You know, so mm -hmm. it's especially with Remember God, the chapters aren't titled. It's a sequ sequential year of my life. It starts in the December of one year and goes to January of the next, and like a uh, fourteen months worth of time, and. And so, yeah, it, it does read like my journal because it really is my voice and it's me telling the story of, of discovering whether God was really kind or not. And, and what's interesting is you said when you were talking about the book that you wrote it, you started writing it without knowing how the story ended. Yeah, it was terrifying. I was like, this is not how you do books, everybody. Because right. with all my other books, you know, you kind of outline the whole thing on your wall of your office or at your house and you kind of go, okay, here's where it starts and here's where it ends. And I just got to sit down and write it. You know, you got to eat the elephant one bite at a time, bird by bird, as Anne Lamont says. But um, with Remember God, I started and I knew when I was starting it that I was only about able to write about six months ahead of what I was actually living. I my knew goodness. that I, I knew that I was writing the beginning of a story and I was only about six months into the story. And so eventually, as we got toward the last two months of the book, I was almost living it as I was writing it, which was incredibly painful and not how you're supposed to do it. But but it felt like, and my agent and my editor and I were walking this together. My pastor was walking it with me, it, it, a voice pastor in my life because our pastor left in the middle of the book. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, that's how it went down. And then I had about seven months between when I finished it and when it actually came out for me to make sure I felt good about the way it was written to have my editor step in and my agent step in and beautifully go like, hey, you said too much there. Back that down. Mm. And cut, hey, cut, you cut. didn't say yeah. enough there. Yeah. And and so 
that book self-published would have been a real bad story without an editor. <laughs> but I had an editor. I luckily but had, you had really good people around you. Yeah, you well, got it's to. a little like Lisa Turkhurst, who was just on this podcast uh, a little while ago. Her last book, which talks almost in real time about the last three yeah. years of her life, the know, almost dissolution of her marriage, discovery right. of infidelity there on behalf of her, uh, half of her husband, two major life-threatening health crises. And she's like, the ink is barely dry as she's finishing this. It was incredible to watch. Just to to loop this thought, you know, uh, one of the other guests on this podcast so far this year is Jonathan Pocluda, who is at The Porch in Austin, Texas. Yes, he's on my show in in January as well. I love that guy. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know, he said something in the interview that really stuck with me where he had had a battle with porn. He had, Mm -hmm. you know, largely been victorious in that, but had um, clicked on a hashtag in Instagram that was inappropriate and had done that before preaching. So he got up and he opened his message by saying, hey, guys, I just I just need you to know. So rather than telling someone, he told everybody uh, this has been a bit of a struggle for me. I clicked on a hashtag just like in the last 24 hours. I ought not to. And I thought I'd just better tell you guys that before I go into my message. And here Mm -hmm. I am in my message which struck me as like, whoa. And he said the line of people after he finished speaking going, oh my goodness, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for naming that. Do you know how real that is in my life? Gosh, and what so what man. I'm seeing That's in impressive. you, what I saw in Lisa or what I'm seeing in Lisa, what I'm mm-hmm. hearing from JP is not an inappropriate instant vulnerability, but I just say male-female leadership, way more vulnerability than most yeah. leaders are comfortable yeah. with. Well, thank you. And it, it does feel like, well, that's friendship to me, right? I'm going to tell the ah, truth. My friendship friends. is vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, I write things and I go, well, of course I would say that if we were sitting at the table having coffee and Annie's your friend you get coffee with and sometimes you talk about the Bible. So I would say all that at a coffee with a friend. And then I hand it to my editor and she goes, yeah, I would let you say all that. And then she goes, I wouldn't want you to say all that. To when we don't know how many people are going to buy this book, right? And 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 so there's a there's a line that you have to be careful of. But there is uh, vulnerability is a word that people I feel like using Christian to more than they use elsewhere right now. But there is this sense of if you are up close with your own pain and you're willing to talk about it, people will trust you. Amen. And so be honest with yourself about your up close pain, and people will believe you. That's what JP did, well, right? That's what he did for yeah, his, yeah, whole, his yeah. whole congregation. As he said, I am up close with pain. I am up close with sin and I am up close with, with, with repentance. And so I'm just here to tell y'all, I'm up close to it. I'm human too. And then they go, I love that guy. He's human. I can tell him what's human about me. Which is interesting. Now, I'm not suggesting for those of us who are speaking on a weekend near you that you ought to get up there and say, here are all my unresolved personal issues. Amen to that. You know, that's not where this is going. But I I Mm, think the mm -hmm. lesson for me is... Even even as vulnerable as didn't see it coming was, um, yeah. I haven't exhausted that. And yeah. you probably haven't exhausted it. And again, when you no. look at the massive size of the audience that is gathering around that female tribe, yeah, I think listener or leaders, pay attention. And maybe you're not being vulnerable enough. Maybe you're not being huh. real enough. Um, yeah, you know, maybe you're just not being friendly enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because right? that's what friends and maybe guys yeah. in their friendship. Like, I have a few friendships like that where it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, blah blah blah. 
But we're always, you know, we're the people who wear war paint. We're the people who uh, dress up in uniforms and we don't let anyone really see us. Um, But that, you know, I think of Danielle Strickland. She could also be in that that tribe, you know, incredibly influential. One of the most memorable talks I've heard in the last decade is her talk about I see you. Does anybody really see you, right? Right. So you're helping me grow as a leader and learn as a leader and as a friend, yeah, thank you. I feel the exact same about you. Your work and your friendship helps me a lot. I'm I'm grateful to get to be a student of yours as well. Well, anything else you want to share before we wrap up today? No, I think I think you're doing really good work. I'm honored to be on the planet at the same time as you. I think we're really lucky <laughs> to be here right now. Well, I hope I hope we get to do more things together in the future, Annie. And um, yeah, people are going to come to Nashville, and you go to eat lunch with all my friends, and nobody tells me till I see the picture on Instagram, Carrie. All right. Well, uh, speaking of that, we will talk because I'm there in a few weeks. So okay, let's, great. <laughs> let's connect. Yeah, yeah, totally. Let um, me take our teaching team out. I was, I like saw the picture next day. I was like, okay, everyone. Why did, I, said, <laughs> I know Carrie as well. What was that about? <laughs> but yeah, you've been very helpful that day to them. I know that our church staff really benefited so greatly from getting time with you. They're incredible. I learned so much are. that night. I'm just, I'm a student with my notebook open. Drew Powell said he cracked the code. He said you you wrote about it on the blog post. He did, yeah. He's the guy who came up with the foyer or foyer moved. That's right. I was like, of course that's what happened, Drew. He has not let us forget it. He cracked, Carrie Newoff says, I cracked the code. Okay, Drew. He did. He needs to get a tattoo of it and just show it to people (laughs) instead of just bragging about it constantly. (laughs) We'll link to that. That that blog post blew up. I don't know what happened to that one about well, the charismatic true, right? you churches. It, you, you, yeah, you taught some beautiful stuff in that. I thought it was really well written. Well, and we'll be recording some podcasts on that, which we'll play at some point in 2019 when I'm in Nashville. Yeah, we're going to talk about cracking that code and yeah. all that stuff and why attractional church is struggling and why we're moving on to a new era in the church. So, yeah, and I'm glad you're part of that. And you know, one thing you need to know too, and I, I've, I said to you about that on your podcast, but the way I've seen you write and the way I've heard you talk about the church really honors the church, which yeah. is great. So this is not like a tribe that's trying to be disloyal. These are all people oh, who love the local church. I love like, the love local it. church. Hope of the world. I mean, it is, it is the answer is going to be found when people meet Jesus and love their local church. I just am, I'm so sure of it. Yeah. So if people want to find Annie F. Downs online. Yeah, it's embarrassingly easy to find because it's just Annie F. Downs everywhere. It's silly okay. how easy it is to That's find good. me. That's so good. On all the Annie socials. Annie where you need to find mm-hmm. me. Follow, la, 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 fancy, whatever you want to say my middle name is. But Annie F., Annie F. Downs all over the place. That's where you find me. And yep. I have my podcast. I'm on the Relevant Podcast. Got books. You know, I'll show up on stages until July. And then I'll just be a virtual friend for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So your podcast is called That Sounds Fun. That's it's right. always one of the top podcasts, uh, well, in the world and in Christian circles. And uh, your latest book is called Remember God. Yeah. So, thank you, Terry. Thank you for being with us today. Well, if you love that, there's actually a little bit more. First of all, there's more in the show notes. So you can head on over there and go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 240. But we will also link in the show notes to an episode that I did for Annie on her podcast, That Sounds Fun. And man, we got into it. It was a blast. We talked about whether women and men burn out differently. And it was fascinating. We'll link to that or you can just subscribe to her podcast. It's worth listening to. It's called That Sounds Fun. And hey, guys, we're going to come back to this like whole female tribe thing and be students. Okay, so I I really enjoyed the conversation. If you are a transcript person or you want to drill down a little bit more, again, we have those in the show notes. And just a reminder, 
we've only got a few more days where you can get the high impact leader at current pricing. Then the price goes up. January 31st is the last day. So don't wait. Head on over to thehighimpactleader.com. Crush your 2019, not because you said you would, but because you got a new system that's going to work for you not only in 2019, but in 2020, 2021, 2022. The High Impact Leader is a productivity system. Really, it's a life management system. It's easy to do. Like the unit, there's 10 units that are 10 minutes. I mean, it's easy to understand. But when you apply it, whew, game changing. Changed my life. Uh, so I want to share that with you. Head on over to thehighimpactleader.com. It is open now at current pricing. We have all kinds of bonuses. And if you, I know a lot of you have said, I want to do this for my team. We have for a very limited time this available for your entire team at discounted rates, including personal coaching sessions like for a limited group uh, by me. All right. So that's only there for a very short time. Head on over to thehighimpactleader.com. Guys, we are back next week with a fresh episode on Tuesday. I'm going to have a conversation because I got so excited about this when I finally read the book. Late to the party on the Enneagram. I immediately messaged Ian Morgan Cron's team and ta-da, he's on the podcast next week. We had a great conversation about understanding the Enneagram, using your number to boost self-awareness, spiritual growth, and actually reduce conflict at work and at home. Here's an excerpt. Yeah, well, that's because fives hate to appear incompetent or unprepared. There you go. Bingo. Right? And so, yeah. but, and ones do for different reasons, for a, for a different underlying motivation. That's the key, right? Uh, so you can yeah. see similarities there. This is why those underlying motivations are so important to dig up, right? So that is next Tuesday. Again, subscribers, you get that automatically and free. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.